0: divaish oh, navinaki jaya charya shri vaidyas tacuraki tanya glory to the assembled Nereza. devotees, all oh, glories to the assembled Nereza. devotees, all oh, glories to the assembled Nereza. devotees, all oh, glories to Sri Guru and Gurunga, all oh, glories to Shiva oh, Prabhupada. Nama Om, Vishnupadaya, Krishna Prasthaya, Vitalation, Mate Bhakti Vidanta Swami Nitinamane, Namaste Saraswati Deva, Gauravani Vani Pacharne, Nirvasas, Nivadi Nivadi Paskajade Satani, Vande Hamshi Guru Shri Utah, Padakamalam Sri Guru and Vaishnavam Shah. Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sagana Raghana Tham Vitam Samsa Jivam Sad Voytam Sad Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakam Vitam Cha Vanchakapa Tubis Chakiba Sundivivya Bhatta Patitanam Pavanavya Vaishnavaya Om Namo Bhagavateva Sudhevaya Om Namo
1: Bhagavate Om Namo
0: Bhagavate February 22nd, 2015 in Sydney, Australia. Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam. Canto 7, Chapter 8. The Lord Slays the King of the Demons, Text 32. Sada-vadhuta-jalada-parapatham Sada-vadhuta-jalada-parapatham Prahasthata-dristi-vimushtaro-chi-sah prahasthata Please
1: chant. Oh, wait, it's the
0: take that last A and make it a U. Just erase the top of that A. The very last A. Last, 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 very last, all the way, last, as far as you can go. There you go. Nice. Okay, please chant. (laughs)
1: avadita jalada karata tan Putta,
0: the
1: tap and Da <speaking in foreign language>
0: Pudutaha.
1: Pudutaha. Shaken. Shaken.
0: Jaladaha.
1: Jaladaha.
0: The clouds. The clouds. Parapatan.
1: Parapatan.
0: Scattered. Scattered. Raha. The luminous planets. The luminous planets. Cha, Cha. Cha. and, and. By his, glance, by his glaring glance, the mushta, the mushta taken away, taken away. Brochi shahad, brochi shahad, whose effulgence soldiers, ambodriyaha. ambodriyaha. Water of the oceans and seas. Water of the oceans and seas. Shwastahtaha, being struck by Lord Narsingha Dev's breathing. Being struck by Lord Narsingha Dev's breathing. The Chukshu Bhuhu became turbulent. Became turbulent. Vrada Bhita, frightened by
1: Narsingha Dev's roaring.
0: Frightened by Narsingha Dev's roaring. Digi-baha. Digi-baha. All the elephants guarding the quarters. All the elephants guarding the quarters. The Shuha. cried out. Cried out. This word down there. Digi, digi is the directions. So there's supposed to be an elephant in each of the directions. Translation. The hair on the Singadev's head shook the clouds. And try, when we we're reading this, try to really picture this. See if you can. Be there. This huge form of the day right? He's what has he done so far in this story? <laughs> he tore out his the fish with got gut, put on the intestine. He's so he's taking out his heart, throwing him away, and then what's the next thing he did? We talked about yesterday. Yeah. Killed all the soldiers with what?
1: <laughs>
0: right, the soldiers came with all these weapons okay, so that was the hair on the Singadei's head, his mane shook the clouds and scattered them here and there, his glaring eyes stole the effulgence of the luminaries in the sky and his breathing agitated the seas and oceans because of his roaring all the elephants in the world began to cry in fear and again, it's not just ordinary elephants these are huge cosmic elephants that are holding up the whole universe. Purport. As the Lord says in Bhagavad Gita 1041, Know that all beautiful, glorious, and mighty creations spring from but a spark of my splendor. The illumination of the planets and stars in the sky is but a partial manifestation of the Lord's effulgence. There are many wonderful qualities of different living entities, but whatever extraordinary things exist are but part of the Lord's stages. His illumination or brilliance, the deep waves of the seas and oceans and the many other wonders within the creation of the supreme personality of Godhead all become insignificant when the Lord in his special feature incarnates within this material world. Everything is insignificant in comparison to his personal all-defeating transcendental qualities. What a wonderful verse of I mean, all the verses appropriate. to are This is so exciting. Satva dhuta johan de the hair under Singadev's head shook the clouds and scattered them here and there. His glaring eyes saw the effulgence of the luminaries in the sky, and his breathing agitated the seas and oceans. Because of his roaring, all the elephants in the world began to cry in fear. So, there are many philosophers who understand that the cause of our suffering is attachment. It's not that we in the Hare Krishna movement are the only ones who figured this out. Okay. All of our pain and suffering, all of our everything, is due to attachment. So I give the example many times: you drive by the road, and someone's had an accident. There's some car accident, and I don't know what you call it here, but in America we call it rubber nicking. So the cars driving by, they're all looking, what is this accident? But if you don't know the people, you don't feel any pain. You just feel some curiosity. Oh, what is that? Oh, it's a bad accident. (coughs) Right? Oh, there's no distress. If you drive by, you see, oh, this is the car of my mother, my brother. Then you're plunged into lamentation. Well, it's somebody's mother. It's somebody's brother. But if it's not mine, if I have no attachment, there's no suffering. right now, so many people in the world are dying, so many people are being born, so many people, like if you, I have so many uh, people in my news feed on Facebook, so if I scroll through on a particular day, there's definitely at least one or two or three people who died. My mother died, my grandfather, my uncle, my wife, somebody's died. Somebody's been born, two or three babies have been born. Somebody's graduated from school, somebody's been admitted to school, Right? Somebody's gotten married, somebody's gotten divorced, somebody's gotten engaged, somebody's gotten that. But if you don't know the people, it doesn't mean anything. There's no emotion. But when we know, oh, and all of the pain in our own body, it's also, right? Someone else has broken their finger. Do we feel any pain? (laughs) Why do we feel pain in our own finger? Due to attachment. You know that, right? You know, if you, people who can leave their body, they have an out-of-body experience, a near-death experience, and go out of their body, and then they don't feel any pain. And often they just look at their body. You've read about these things, right? Somebody's on the operating table or lying in the hospital bed, whatever, and their heart stops, and they rise out of their body, and they just look and they say, Boy, that guy's really in bad shape. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Somebody ought to take care of him, maybe. or uh, one story I read like that. The guy looked at his body and said, "Well, that was interesting being John for a while." <laughs> uh, there's no sense of pain and pleasure. All of our all of our suffering in this world is due to attachment. What is this attachment? We're attached, thinking this is well, this is going to give us some rasa. Chelaprabha says in the preface to Nectar Devotion, everything we're doing is motivated by wanting to taste some rasa. You all know what the twelve russes are, don't you know? So there's just neutrality, peace, equanimity, serving somebody, being friends with somebody, caring for someone as like a parent and a teacher, having romantic love for someone, wonder. There's a lot of wonder in this verse, right? Wonder and surprise compassion, grief, sadness, fear, the excitement, of fear, ghastliness, chivalry, which means righteous fighting or charity or just righteousness in general. And the other two that I missed. Comedy, Comedy, comedy and joy. And there's one more. I said fear, grief, anger. Huh? I think I mentioned counting wrong on my fingers. I have to go back to kindergarten. So we're trying to enjoy all these rasas, but the problem is that we try to enjoy these rasas with Krishna's energy, separately from Krishna. And that's because Krishna's energy is wonderful, it's incredible. The clouds in the sky, the effulgence of the sun and the moon and the stars. The ocean, how many people come to Sydney just to see the ocean? Ocean with its waves. Some great creature like an elephant. You know, we were in Bali, and we saw these big you know, these elephant shows. Ah! Elephants, all oh, the wondrous, the what is it, beautiful, glorious, and mighty creation. This is very much, again, Ras. But in general, we're trying to, to taste something from Krishna's energy separately from Krishna. But we're not meant to enjoy Krishna's energy separately from Krishna. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's kind of like taking food and trying to enjoy it by putting it in your nose. Now, you can do that. You can run a tube from your nose into your stomach and you can eat that way. But would it be very pleasurable? And, and my mother, in her in her last days, in her body... So she had a, a gradually wasting disease, where she had gradually, over 15 years, lost all the use of her muscles. And she got to the point where she had the physical capacity of about a two-month-old baby. She couldn't turn over by herself or sit up by herself. Her mind was still crystal clear, but her body was was, it was just not functional at all. And, and then she finally she lost her ability to swallow. So if you gave her, you know, a little cup like this full of something very soft like pudding and you fed it to her a spoon at a time, it would take her about three or four hours to eat it. Even water, she could just take one spoon. She couldn't drink a cup of water even with a straw. You know, just a little spoon at a time. So the doctors were all saying, all right, let's stick a feeding tube in your stomach. And she said, forget it. She said I'm 89 <laughs> she said my body's gone I'm not going to hang around with a tube in my stomach till my mind is gone better, better to just go and she had a very nice departure but is there any enjoyment getting fed through a tube into your stomach I mean it works you get nourishment there's no pleasure pleasure so trying to enjoy rasa separately from Krishna is something like that Something like that. Sometimes you see they have these healthcare products, something you put in your hair or on your hands that's full of food. You notice that? Some of these creams and shampoos made with milk. It's made with honey. It's made with fruit juice, right? I read, read about one shampoo that had so much uh, fruit and flowers in it, they had to take it off the market because after people washed their hair with it, the bees were following them. Right? <laughs> <laughs> So that's not the way you eat food. You know, you don't, you don't eat fruit juice by rubbing it into your hair. You put it in your mouth. That's how you get healthy hairs. So this is exactly what's happening to us in this world. We're trying to enjoy all these things with Krishna's energy. And all it's doing, we're getting a little, a little drop of pleasure. You know, a little, what's it called? A the, the drop of water in the desert. You get a little something, something. You know, if you steal someone's money, maybe you get some pleasure out of it. But not really, isn't it? Right? No, not really. Sorry, I, I had so much fun yesterday. Jayeshe took me shopping, and she's one of the few people who really knows what I like. She really understands what it's like living out of a suitcase. I don't, she's expert. She really pays attention to what people like. That's why she's such a good businesswoman. So she says, okay, I know exactly. It took me exactly to the right Store and she got me a new backpack for my laptop. It's just something I've been looking for for about, you know, ten years. And we found it, and she said, "Okay, I'll pay for it." So if I had gone and taken the money out of her purse and run to the store by myself and bought the backpack, would I have gotten as much pleasure out of it as I got from shopping with her? Right? Would that have been very enjoyable? So that's when we try to enjoy. I mean, I had so much fun for three years. Because we were enjoying with each other You follow? Right? If you take your good friend to Govinda's restaurant Or Hari's restaurant and you buy them a meal You're enjoying and they're enjoying They're enjoying your energy But you're enjoying together But if that person steals your money and runs to Govinda's Is that very pleasurable for you or for them? So that's what we're doing We're trying to steal Krishna's energy And run off and enjoy it separately from him yeah, some something, because Krishna's energy is still Krishna, but it's not the way to enjoy it. So, what's the cure? We often try to find a cure by, like, the Buddhists, the Mayavadis, and we have to say, unfortunately, sometimes even the devotees in the Hare Krishna movement, not understanding what is pure bhakti, but getting a can measure bhakti, sometimes a karma measure bhakti or a tan measure bhakti. They think the way to stop the suffering is just stop all of my attachment. Stop it. Don't be attached to anything else in this world. Just no attachment. No attachment. Just nothing, nothing. Nothing. I don't see anything, I will not hear anything, I will not taste anything. Okay, I'll take the feeding tube out of my stomach and I'll just fast. Uh, so here we have such a nice crew how to solve our problem of material attachment that the artist is more attractive than the art the source of everything is more attractive than the everything I mean goodness if we can get so attached have so much love and affection for our phone I mean seriously people stand in line isn't it they wait for like two days for the newest iPhone don't they do that as if the newest iPhone is greatly different than the iPhone they already have in their pocket, and if getting it two days ahead of their friends is, you know. But so much attachment. What to speak of how much attachment we have, you know, to a living entity. If we can have that attachment to a car, to a phone, to a computer, to a pair of shoes, maybe to clothing or something. How, and how much attachment do we have to a living being we can be fascinated even by a little bug, right? Some people spend their whole lives studying one bug, one kind of bug. You know that, huh? They get their PhD in one kind of bug or one kind of... They do, you know? It's not because a living entity is fascinating. You ever have a little bug walk up and It's fascinating. And people become so attached to their dog, to their cat, to their horse. What to speak of how attached we get to our, you know, our husband, our wife, our son, our daughter, our mother, our father, brother, sister... Our friends, so our country, you know, our football team something that's alive—is so fascinating, so incredibly, incredibly fascinating. How much more fascinating is the source? How much more fascinating is the source? So, Bhakti Yoga is saying you know, if that drop of water in the desert is so incredibly attractive that we are willing to run life after life after life after life just to get this little drop of water in the desert occasionally, how wonderful must the whole reservoir be? We don't say, look, it's just a drop of water in the desert, kamala, dalajalaji, Mama? just have a dry tongue, folks. (laughs) <laughs> it's, not what we're, it's not bhakti. Bhakti is get attached to the person who's behind it. You like the clouds? Want to look at the beautiful clouds? When I was a kid, I used to like to look at the clouds. It looks like a sheep. It looks. What about the hair of a boy? You see the beauty of the sun? People go to Japan. In Japan, there's a funny phenomenon where when the sun rises and sets it looks like the, an omega sign instead of a round sun. People go there just to see the sun. Or we have a god brother who does weddings in Hawaii and people like to have the weddings on the ocean as the sun's setting into the ocean, rising from the ocean. Now we see the sun, beauty of the moon. What about the eyes of the Lord? And to see the ocean with its waves. What about the breathing of the Lord? Hmm? So I thought we'd look... A little bit. We don't have a whole lot of time because we had that incredible Kirtan, which frankly could have gone on and on and on and would have been much better than my class. A little bit about the Lord as the universe. This is from the 8th Canto, chapter 20, starting from text 23. There, after Bali Maharaj could see the lower, lower planetary system, such as Rasatala, on the soles of the feet of the Lord's universal form. On the Lord's feet was the surface of the globe. On his calves were all the mountains. And we were just in Malambar. People like to see Mount Mourning. Just imagine. That's so, so beautiful. How beautiful must be the calves of the Lord. On his knees, the various birds. On his thighs, the variety of air. Beneath the garments of the Lord, the evening twilight, in the Lord's private parts, the pajapatis, in the round portion of the waist, Bali saw himself. In the Lord's navel, he saw the sky. Just so a nice meditation. People ask all the time. We just asked about this question yesterday. How do I remember Krishna when I'm in the world? How do I remember Krishna at school, at work? I'm surrounded by materialistic people. Nobody's chanting Hare Krishna. There's no transcendental music playing. Everybody's just talking about ordinary things. Do you see the sky? Everybody's hmm. That's the Lord's name. On his waist, the seven oceans. On the Lord's bosom, the cluster of stars. On the heart, religion. On his chest, pleasing words and truthfulness. Whenever anyone speaks pleasing, truthful words. That's the chest of the Lord. In the mind, the moon. On the bosom, the goddess of fortune with a lotus flower in her hand. On the neck, the Vedas and all sound vibrations. All sound vibrations. Krishna also says this in the Bhagavad Gita. I'm all the sound in ether. And how is that? We may think all oh, these all these sounds. So it's so nice to explain that. How many names does Krishna have? How many names? A lot, right? A lot of names. So... You know, one time Radharani's friends were explaining that it's very difficult for Radharani to finish a song about Krishna. She really has a hard time. This happened to Mahaprabhu in Radha's mood. When he was trying to say jaganatha, what did he say? jaga gaga And just hearing jump, he would go into ecstasy. So Radharani has the same problem. She just says, Krish. <laughs> So every sound is a syllable of one of the Lord's names, yes? Ya, yeah, soda, nothing. Yeah. so someone just says soda. Hey, can you give me some soda? <sighs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Actually, no devotee is kind who experiences that. He told me, he said, he said it's so hard to listen to anybody speaking because they just become overwhelmed. Okay. So on the neck all the Vedas and all sound vibrations. On the arms, all the demigods. In both ears, the directions. On the head, the upper planetary system. On the hair, the clouds. Here again we have the hairs moving the clouds. In the nostrils, the wind. We see the clouds. We see the clouds, yes? In the Lord's hair. We feel the wind, even if you want to feel wind from the fan. On the Lord's nostrils. On the eyes, the sun and the mouth fire. Tongue, the demigod of water. Eyebrows, the regulated principles. Eyelids, day and night. When his eyes opened, it was day. When they closed, it was night. Forehead, anger. Somebody gets angry. Ooh, there's the Lord's forehead. Anybody ever get angry when you're at work or at school? Or maybe you get angry That's the Lord's forehead. His lips was greed. In his touch were lusty desires, in his semen all the waters, his back irreligion, his wonderful activities or steps, the fire sacrifice. On his shadow was death. You see death, see a dead bug, dead dog. Oh, there's the Lord's shadow. In his smile was the illusory energy. On the hairs of his bodies were all the drugs and herbs. Pass a pharmacy, a chemist shop. Oh, there's Krishna's hips. You see somebody at work, oh, I have a headache, I have to take a parasite in his veins were the rivers on his nails were all the stones intelligence were Lord Brahma the demigods and the saintly person and throughout his entire body the senses were all living entities moving and stationary now in the second canto of the Bhagavatam there's three places, three chapters where we have descriptions of the Lord as the universe I'm going to look at this one from chapter one, and this this canto is supposed to be the lotus feet of the Lord. So this is a little bit more detailed description. What what is the purpose of these shastras? The purpose of these shastras is not so we can just come and do some ritual camp okay, sitting in the Bhagavatam class, and I'm here in the Bhagavatam class. It's so we can absorb our minds, Maya Shakti Manavatam, absorb our minds. If you say, well, I'm not advanced enough to absorb my mind in Krishna's lila, which, by the way, anybody could do that. The Prabhupada said, if you're chanting Hare Krishna mechanically and you're thinking of just some material thing, he said that your chanting is useless, then he stopped. And he said, or it will take a long time. <laughs> he said, so what is the use of your reading Krishna book then? He said, you read Krishna book, as soon as you're chanting, you can think about how Krishna's killing some demon and the cowherd boys are clapping, yay, Krishna. But if you think that's too hard, at least you see Krishna in the world. Think about immediately Krishna's personal form. Immediately think of Krishna's personal form. Oh, the clouds. Oh, Krishna's hair. Krishna has this beautiful hair. So here we go. The second can of chapter 1, starting text 26. The planets known as patala are the bottoms of the feet. The heels and the toes are the sattala planets. Ankles, vahatala. Shanks are the Talatala. The knees are the sutula, uh, thighs are vitala, atala, the hips are mahitala, outer space, again, the depression of his navel. Space in general, like we have space in this room, we're not usually aware of that. Huh? Can we become aware of that for a moment? By the way, we like space, yes? Everybody likes to have space, especially in the West, we're talking about giving my space. I don't think they understand that in India. I, seem to, I don't seem to get that <laughs> at all. Not at all. I, I met one uh, Indian lady who brought up in India, I and mean, then she lived in the West for many years. She said that she'd go home to visit her family, if she'd say, Mom, I need some space. And i would get what? I mean, the nice thing about that in India, because people have no concept of personal space, is they'll give you everything, right? They'll give you their home, they'll give you their food, they will give you everything. But we like space. Without space, there's no meaning. My daughter-in-law once had one of her children remove all the keys from her computer. Do you remember that? I'm trying to call the keys up, and my son was able to reattach all of them, but the space bar didn't work. So she, she tried sending out an email. It's like, huh? It's this, Without space, there's no beauty. There's no meaning, particularly. It's space. It's the pauses in the music that give meaning to the music. The pauses in the world, in the word, and it's space that allows everything to have its place huh? and to have its meaning and to have its function. Can we become aware of space everywhere? At work, at school, in our home. And what is that space? It's the Lord's navel. The Lord's navel, is so beautiful. Is described elsewhere in the Bhagavatam. It's like the whole universe has come out of it because the whole universe has come out of it. What is the last verse of the uh, Dhammadras to again? How does that start? Hmm? The last verse. Namaste, stu dhamnes, parav dipti Uh Tadi odurayata vishvas Tadi odurayata udara is the Lord's navel. Vishvas Vishvasa is the universe. I offer my obeisances to your belly. In which is the whole universe? And that navel is right here that the whole universe has come out of the Lord's navel. And Lord Kapiladev says it's, it's wanting to go back in. Right, the Gopis they like to meditate on the Lord's navel above the Lord's navel on His belly. There's a little line of dark hairs, and they they meditate on that. There's a lake in the navel, full of uh, sweet lotuses, and these lines are these black hairs are like bees going to taste this nectar of the lotuses and the Lord's navel lake. So you can meditate on that just by meditating on the space in your room, the empty space in your closet, the space between words, the space between music. Has anybody ever lacked space? Sorry, we'll carry away there. Okay. <laughs> Where were we? Did I... Chest, yes, thank you. Outer space is a depression of his neighbor. The chest of the gigantic form is the luminary planetary system. Next, neck is the Mahar planet's, mouth is the Janus planet. forehead tapa, topmost, Satyaloka is the head. He who has a thousand heads. Arms are the demigods. Directional signs are his ears. Physical sound is his sense of hearing. Nostrils are the Aswini kumaras. Material fragrance is his sense of smell. His mouth is the blazing fire. Often, fire is associated with the Lord's mouth, particularly the fire sacrifice. But anytime we experience fire, if you have a gas stove, turn on the fire. The sphere of outer space are his eye pits, his eyeballs, the sun, and the power of seeing, eyelids of the day and night. And in the movement of his eyebrows, Brahma and similar supreme personalities reside. His palate is the director of water, Varuna. And the juice or essence of everything is his tongue. So, this is Vasohanam I i.e., mean the taste of water. And this doesn't just mean, you know, H2O water. But anything that we taste, Prabhupada said that the alcoholic, if they think the taste of alcohol is Krishna, eventually they'll become a saintly person. But that doesn't mean you should go out and drink alcohol and meditate on Krishna. <laughs> But the fact is that any taste, here we have the essence of anything is his tongue. So without liquid on the tongue, you can't taste anything. You can experiment, dry off your tongue, and there's no taste. Whatever taste is there. Vedic hymns are the cerebral passage of the Lord. Jaws of his teeth are the God of death. We have this in the universal form seen by Arjuna. He's crushing everybody with his teeth. The art of affection is his set of teeth. The most alluring, illusory, material energy is his smile. Now, most of us, probably not all of us, I'm sure we have some great sadhus here, but most of us in this world, and maybe all of you except for me, maybe I'm the only one attracted by the material energy, <laughs> but conditioned souls in this world, like me, i sure not like any of you, are attracted by this illusory energy. Oh, so attracted. It's actually the smile of the Lord. And who's that? I think it's Bilgamanda Dhakur, who talks about how everything about the Lord is sweet, his legs and everything, but the sweetest is his face. And in, in his face, the sweetest is his smile. So if the illusory energy is so attractive, how attractive must be the Lord's smile? And Lord Kapiladev says that one should meditate on the smile of the Lord and it's very beautiful teeth. You know, people pay a lot of money, and this is what we saw an advertisement when we were driving in, you know, get beautiful teeth in six months. How beautiful must the teeth of the Lord be compared to little jasmine bugs? And then Lord you Kapila know, says, one should meditate on the laughter of Lord Lord. He says, the smile and the laughter of the Lord, it dries up, The ocean of tears caused by grief. How fascinating. The attachment to the illusory energy causes us only grief, and the attachment to Krishna's smile dries up. We were talking about this yesterday, how the whole ocean of material attachment becomes like a little puddle that you just walk over. The great ocean of material creation is but the casting of his glance. Modesty is the upper portion of his lips, hankering in his chin, religion is his breast, irreligion is his back. Brahmaji is his genitals, the Mitravarunas are his two testicles, the ocean is his ways, hills and the mountains are his stacks of bones, the rivers are his veins, you see great rivers. The trees are the hairs, see beautiful forests, these are the Lord's hairs. The omnipotent air is his breath. The passing ages are his movements. Activities are the reactions of the three modes of nature. The clouds are the hairs of his head. We have to have that as a thing. Termination of days or nights are his dress. His mind is the moon. Principle of matter is the consciousness of the omnipotent Lord. Rudra Dev is his ego. The horse, mule, camel, and elephant are his nails. Beautiful creatures. The says the horse is the most beautiful creature. How beautiful must the nails of the Lord be. Just one cannot even imagine at the speed of the mind the beauty of the nails of the Lord. Rupa Goswami's praying. he says, Lord Brahma cannot see your nails in meditation, but still, I desire to see those nails. It's described that when the Lord puts his lotus feet on a jeweled, multicolored footstool, the effulgence of his nails are so bright that all the colors get washed away. But when Kumar, when he went to the Mahakal and he was being pulled to merge into the Brahman, it said he was saved from merging by the beautiful light from the toenails. Of the Lord. Whenever we see a horse, a mule, a camel, an elephant, we can meditate on the Lord's nails. And wild animals and all quadrupeds are situated in the belt zone of the Lord. This was one of my favorite here. Varieties of birds are, ma- are indications of his masterful, artistic sense. Birds are some of the most beautiful creatures, isn't it? Incredible birds. And some of these people who do all these strange things with their hair. And preparing to be a bird. people All different colors. I hope none of you, nobody here. I haven't offended anybody. <laughs> so they're preparing to be birds in their next life. And very artistic, all the different colors. And like the peacock, the library, incredible. Of course, it's interesting. They can't appreciate it themselves. If the bird sees their reflection in the mirror, they don't even think it's another bird. Krishna's beautiful artistry. Who could create something like that, huh? How beautiful must Krishna be? It's just a, one peacock, you know, one hummingbird with the iridescent feathers. And the Lord the Lord's clothes are, are glittering like that. They're alive. The Lord's clothes are glittering and, and alive. And the Lord's whole form is like a mirror, his makara earrings are are swinging and they're reflecting on his cheeks. Everything about the Lord is is glistening and and glittering. Manu is the emblem of his standard intelligence. Humanity is his residence. The species of human beings all represent his musical, the celestial species of human beings, the Gantarvas, Vigiatras, Charnas and angels, all represent his musical rhythm. So the Lord is a musician. So we, we like to go to musical concerts. Most people like music, yes? I don't think I've ever met anyone who doesn't like music. It must be somebody. Generally everybody likes it. Or some kind of music. I mean, the things that people call music nowadays are sometimes rather odd. <laughs> I, I remember being at Woodstock one year. We were taking the Rathya chair around Woodstock, and there was a group of people all wearing black and they were listening to something that sounded like wolves growling. The Christian philosopher, C.S. Lewis, he says, those in hell, they just like noise. He says, in heaven, they like music or silence, but in hell, they like noise. And the more growling and terrifying noise, the better. Everyone likes some kind of music, although some people's idea of music is a bit strange. But Krishna is the greatest musician. So, if we are enjoying musical concerts on this planet, and, and music is very emotionally transportive, isn't it? it affects you, affects your emotions and in, in various ways. It brings out all of the different, brings out all of the different moods and combinations of them. So, we just imagine Krishna as the musician. We have this example. Whenever we hear any music any music in our life, anyone's playing any kind of music, immediately we think, if someone's attracted by this music, how attractive must it be? We hear these descriptions of Krishna's flute, and similar descriptions are given of Radharani's singing, that the rivers flow backwards, and moving objects become stunned. Immovable objects melt. So when Lita sings also, the jewel platforms around the trees melt and then they reform into other shapes. Imagine. You know, you can go to some concert in this world where people have, I don't know, at least when I was a teenager, I don't know if they still do this, but they would have colored lights flashing and time to the music. Do they still do this kind of? But you don't find, there's no musician that sing, that I know of that when they sing, you know, the chairs melt and reform. <laughs> I don't think that happens. You know, maybe if some young, handsome musician sings in this world, a few thousand women start screaming and fainting, but. You don't <laughs> so just imagine when Krishna singing. Just imagine. You know, people are screaming and fainting for whatever Michael Jackson and Elvis Presley and. What about Krishna? I mean, this is just the lowest of the middle planetary systems. This is just you just make it to middle class on this planet. What kind of music would they have in, you know, the upper middle class planets or the upper class planets? Or Vaikuntha or Goloka And just imagine the band, you know, the Krishna and the Gopis band. Adirani has your Vina, Krishna has his flute. And it's described very nicely in Nanda Vrindavan Champu that all the musical notes and ragas are all persons. There's a person who exemplifies, you know, the vasanta rasa raga. It's actually a being who personifies that particular song. They're they're singing. It's beyond comprehension. How enchanting and how full of rasa would be this concert. Krishna's dancing with the gopis and Krishna's singing and they're responding to his singing and their jewelry is the musical instruments. And there's also people playing instruments on the side. Even when Krishna jumps into Kaliya's lake and he's hitting the water, the Acharya, that he's making music. So I saw a video recently of these African ladies that bang the water that makes sounds like drums. The demoniac soldiers are representations of his wonderful prowess. So just see, even the demoniac soldiers, even the terrorists, even the demoniac soldiers, wow, if one little jiva on one little lower planet has the power to, you know, blow up 30 people or something. How much power does Krishna How powerful must be Krishna? Okay, so it's getting one verse. His face is the Brahmana's arms, the ksatriyas, thighs, the Vaishya's sudras his feet. So this is just one description. There's many, 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 many more. There's two other descriptions in the second canto. And then we didn't even go to the Bhagavad Gita we did not even touch the Bhagavad Gita in today's class. And the Bhagavad Gita we have... Where is the Bhagavad Gita? Can we find these things? Seven. Chapter 10 and... No, not a 11. is universal form. Okay. Where else does Krishna say, I am this, I am this? And? Seven. 7 and... 9, 7, 9, 10 and? 15... So our process to get free of all miseries and come to happiness is not to stop is to go to the source go to the source you like that drop of water so much running life after life after life after life chasing an occasional drop of water in the desert undergoing so much sacrifice so much austerity so much trouble So much planning, so much lamentation for this little drop. Why not take a bath in the unlimited reservoir that the drop comes from? And that unlimited reservoir is the personality of God. And this is uh, something that is very hard to find in the world. You'll find many religions, many philosophies that will talk about God. We certainly in our Krishna consciousness movement do not have a monopoly by any means in trying to bring people to love of God. But if you try to love God, it's a lot easier if you have some idea of who God is. It's hard to love God if you just have some vague idea. If you can love the clouds, can't you love the hair of God? If you can love how much space you have in your closet to put things, can't you love the navel of God? If you can admire the birds, can't you admire the artistic sense of God? If you can appreciate some ordinary music, can't you appreciate the music of God? If we appreciate the beauty of the sun and the moon, can't we appreciate the eyes of God? If we appreciate the power of illusion, can't we appreciate the smile of God? That is our process. We should get to the point, this requires practice. Please do not think. I'm just going to go on mechanically doing some rituals of Bhakti Yoga as if it's some ritualistic religion, and one day, Vakanam warns about this, and one day it's just going to fall on me. But one should practice being Krishna conscious. Krishna conscious. And everything should become an udipan, or a stimulus for thinking of Krishna. And if you say, well, that's too hard today, then try one thing today, two things today, something. One minute today, two minutes, something. Make it an udipan, a stimulus for Krishna, the person. And if you can do it one time today, celebrate, like the child celebrates standing up for one moment when it's learning how to walk. Yeah? The child learning how to walk does not lament all the time there on the floor. And if you've seen a child learning how to walk. They get so excited, they just stand up for a minute. <laughs> and everybody else gets very similarly excited. Right? If the child just says, Dad, 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 everybody, we're going party. <laughs> So just in a little, one moment, the Bhagavatam says one moment of full consciousness makes our life successful. One moment today, something in the world, the trees, the cloud, the space, anything. Oh, Krishna, and segue into Krishna, the person, his form, his qualities, his pastimes. Wow. And then maybe again you'll become overcome by Maya. like the devotee said to Prabhupada you know sometimes we fall into Maya Prabhupada says no you're always in Maya sometimes you fall into Krishna <laughs> so fall into Krishna a few times and have it be more and more and more and more like the child gets up more often and stays up longer and stays up longer and stays up longer and pretty soon they're running and the parents can't keep up with them anymore so that's how we should progress in Krishna consciousness and then, my dear friends, there is no more material world. Robert says, 14th chapter f- of Krishna book, Maya exists only within the mind. Illusion is simply the desire to see things separately from Krishna. Whatever appears to be of value, if it is without relation to me, has no reality. Know it to be my illusory energy, that reflection that appears to be in darkness. So simply connect, again, yoga, connect, connect. How can I connect this? How can I connect this? How can... I? Oh, I forgot for the last hour. All right, never mind. Let me now connect. Let me now connect. Let me now connect. And then, pretty soon, we'll be in Krishna consciousness. Pretty soon. Even though now maybe most of the time we're just falling on you know on the floor. Yeah. And pretty soon we'll be running. And when we're running, you we forget. Do any of us remember when we were just trying to stand up and struggling to stand up? anymore. So sorry we went a little late, but we started quite late today. But we have time maybe for one or two questions or comments. I want to thank all of you for giving me such an opportunity to speak about these things. I looked at this verse and went, wow, this is cool. The hair on Lesingade's head shook the clouds and scattered them here and there. His glaring eyes stole the effulgence of the luminaries in the sky, and his breathing agitated the seas and oceans because it was roaring, all the elephants in the world began to cry. Yes? Thank you for the
1: last class. question I have is, in my heart, you about space we involve space. some my
0: say that in the Muhammad, there's a space that means that not the name of the God. Do I even have to respond to that? what's really important in the meal you're about to eat is the space on the plate not the food I mean the space is also important but I think the food is a little bit more important alright no further comment what's really the most important part of this class has been the pauses where I didn't say anything right try that next time you talk to your wife <laughs> but dear, the most important part of the conversation was my silences. That'll work. <laughs> the most important part of the day is when I don't see you. <laughs> I go over really big. <laughs> okay, somebody else? Yes?
1: Thank you so much, G. I'm really fascinated by the descriptions you were reading and, uh, about, say, the word smile and his teeth. Certainly I like to meditate in Krishna in this way. But we're also told quite a lot to not just imagine, you know, Krishna's form, his bodies or beyond our material senses. So I fear that if I'm gonna sit down and try to meditate and a little smile, I'll just be
0: thinking of, Oh, I'm something. so glad you asked this. <laughs> you this way, so. I'm so so glad you asked this. And you know, this is one of for me, this is one of my biggest sorrows is that devotees in the Hare Krishna movement think, I cannot think about Krishna until I'm pure. First I have to be pure, and then I'm going to think of Krishna. So I'm going to ask you, by what process will you first become pure and then think of Krishna? What will be your process of purification that will enable you to become pure so then when you think about Krishna there will not be any material imagination mixed in with it? What's your process? What will you be doing? Huh? But you, you said you can't think of Krishna because you're not pure. So what process, will you, if, if you say, I cannot think about Krishna's smile, I cannot think about Krishna's teeth, I cannot think about Krishna's hair, because I'll mix something material in with that. My thinking of it will not be pure. I have to first become pure and then think of Krishna. Yes? Yes. This, this is what you're asking? Yes? Something like that. What will be the way that you will become? How will you become pure? What will be your means? Chanting. chanting. So when you're chanting, what does Prabhupada say you're supposed to do when you're chanting? He says that to maybe one or two people in very specific circumstances. But what is Prabhupada's general instruction about chanting? Yes. Who, who was at my seminar last night? Raise your hand if you were at my seminar last night. Okay? So we read those quotes. What did Srila Prabhupada say to do while you're chanting? What did he say to do? Think of Krishna's pastimes, think of Krishna's form. Prabhupada said, you're seeing the deity. He said, what is the difficulty to remember the deity while you're chanting? He says, and, and interesting, in Geneva, Shiva Prabhupada uses the word imagine. He says, chanting Hare Krishna means you imagine that you have a diamond thrown within your heart and Krishna sitting on it and you bathe him with Ganga and Jiruna water and you dress him and you decorate him with ornaments and you feed him. He said, and this is not false, it is real, Krishna is accepting. He said, so if you chant Hare Krishna like that and think of Krishna, then everywhere you go becomes a holy place. So, Prabhupada would say things like, as soon as you chant Hare Krishna, you feel the presence of Krishna, and you immediately remember. He said, at least you remember Krishna's talks with Arjuna. He says, if you can't do that, then just try to hear the sound. Just try to hear the sound. was always the second tier. Okay, you can't think of Krishna's. He said, as soon as you chant Hare Krishna, you should remember Krishna's pastimes. He said, if you can't do that, then just hear, and eventually uh, you'll be able to think of Krishna's pastimes. Or there's one time the prophet says, Chef. he said, "If you're just chanting mechanically, he said, it's useless." He said, "Or it will take a long time." He said, "What is? Why are you reading Krishna book?" He said, "As soon as you're chanting, you can remember Krishna's cha- driving Arjuna's chariot, or you can remember that Krishna's killing the demon and the cowherd boys are clapping." He said, "Otherwise, what is the use of your reading Krishna book?" So always the instruction is always. That one should meditate on the form of the Lord while chanting the mantra. This is the. If you go through the Bhagavatam, anytime mantras are given, a meditation on the form of the Lord is given along with the mantra. So that is always there. So chanting our it means it's like it's like if you said, you know, I should talk to you, but when I talk to you, I shouldn't think about you. It would be very odd. So if someone came to Prabhupada and said, "Shri Prabhupada, what should I think about when I'm chanting?" It's like here, because it's such an absurd question. The fact that someone asked that question indicates that they're on a very low level. It's like if I said, um, when I talk to you, what should I be doing with my mind? <laughs> Strange question. So if someone asks that question, you know, there's time, place, and circumstance preaching. If someone asks that question, it's indicative that they're at a very low, oh, just here. this is concentrate on this. But that's not Prabhupada's general instruction. So, whenever we think that first I have to become pure and then I can think of Krishna, then we are not engaged in pure bhakti. We are engaged in karma-mishra-bhakti, gyan-mishra-bhakti, or yoga misra bhakti Because we must be having another process other than bhakti to purify us. What is the essential process of bhakti yoga? What is the most essential process of bhakti yoga? Well, love is the goal, but what is the most essential practice? What is it? Rupa Goswami. Thank you. Always remember Krishna and never forget him. That is bhakti yoga, thinking of Krishna. Nectar Devotion, Chapter 2. Sadhana, Vai sadhana bhakti begins. That means practice bhakti under the rules and regulations. We're not talking about an advanced state. It begins with thinking of Krishna. That is bhakti. If you just do the external rituals of bhakti and you don't think of Krishna, it's not bhakti yet. It's a gyata suprati. am without knowing, without consciousness. It's sukriti. it's something pious, but it's without any consciousness. It's not yet bhakti. It's a, that's what Krishna talks about in Bhagavad Gita 12. 10. Krishna Karmani, working for me. You're doing some work for Krishna, Vishnachakravati Thakur explains, without thinking of Krishna. I'm cleaning the altar and I'm thinking about what I'm going to have for breakfast. You know, I'm not thinking about Krishna. So that's Krishna Karmani. You're doing some work for Krishna. Eventually it will bring you to bhakti. Bhakti is involving thinking of Krishna, at least practicing thinking of Krishna. So, Vaidhi Bhakti starts when we practice thinking of Krishna. Will you think about Krishna at every moment in the beginning? No, because you're practicing. Wherever the mind wanders due with its flickering and unsteady nature, you withdraw it and bring it to the self. So, our process of purification is to think about Krishna. That's our process. These descriptions of the universal form are given for what kind of person? Materialistic hmm? person? It's the materialistic person who's being told the illusion of the energy is the smile of the Lord, that clouds are the hair. That materialistic person is being told that. How low do you want to put yourself? Do you want to, you know, then you're not pretty part. So if we think, you know, how are we going to become purified? Some people think they're going to become purified first by being very pious. We hear this in our Hare Krishna movement. First you have to follow up ashram and then you can think about Krishna. And somehow, I, I don't know, maybe I just notice it more because I'm a woman, but here, hear it especially in regard to women. First you've got to be a good wife and mother and then you can think about Krishna. First you think, you know, your main means of purifying, becoming purified is by being a pious person in the world. That's karma mishabat or just karma yoga. And other people think, I'm going to become purified by detachment. I'm going to become purified by being equal poised and peaceful and detached. That's Jnanmishavati, or just Jnana Yoga. Or I'm going to become purified by, you know, having all my life air circulate properly, and my prana and my chakras, and raising the life air, and then I can meditate on Krishna. That's Jnanmishavati, or just jan Yoga. But we want Uttam Bhakti, we want pure Bhakti. All right, now you have an argument though, that your argument is the problem is that if as a beginner I think about Krishna, my thinking of Krishna is going to be contaminated with material conceptions. And the answer is yes. Like Prabhupada said, you imagine Krishna is in your heart. He uses the word imagine. Because you were saying, I'm going to imagine. So I give a, an example. So we have this cup. I'm just going to have to imagine you're going to have to imagine that it's full because I don't need more water don't nobody run off and get me more water this is just an example so here in Sydney can you buy chemical juice is it available? not real stuff, it's just water with some coloring and some flavoring some chemicals and some sugar or maybe it's not even real sugar can you buy that here? okay so our material enjoyment is like that maybe it's got a drop of real orange flavor in it So in material consciousness, our cup, our consciousness, is full of this chemical juice. It sort of looks like juice, it sort of tastes like juice, but just makes you sick. Gives you a little sugar high. Or if it doesn't even have real sugar in it, who knows what it's going to do. So in karma yoga, gyan yoga, gyan yoga, they say first you empty the cup whether by pious activities, by philosophy and detachment, or by mechanically controlling the senses and the life fears. You empty your cup, you have an empty cup, and you really empty it, and you wash it out, and you dry it out, it's totally empty, and then you fill it with Krishna. And then what you're going to fill with Krishna is going to be pure, because you don't have any material conceptions. Pretty cool, huh? And therefore, Jina asks this question in the beginning of chapter 12. What's better? Should I do bhakti at the beginning? Or should I first come to realize atma and brahman and should I first And Krishna says <laughs> He said, that'll work but it's not very much fun. Is it fun having an empty cup? Well, like that, empty cup? Just emptying your cup and emptying your cup and then being empty. Is that fun? That's tough. Most of us can't even do it. We just, my cup's getting more and more empty. <laughs> So Bhatayoga, you got this cup full of chemical juice, and what do you start doing? Pouring what? The real thing. You go out to your mango tree. It was at New go They have a mango tree right outside. You go out to your mango tree, you pick a mango, you juice it, and you start pouring in the real mango juice. Now, at first when you're pouring it in, how much mango juice do you have? Not very much. But even that improves the taste, doesn't it? Don't you start getting a little better taste even when you start getting 5%, 10%. And you just keep, now if you don't pour in the chemical juice on the side, which makes everything take a long time, you know, if, if with one hand you're pouring in the real mango juice and the other hand you're pouring in then the process, will take a long time. But if you just keep pouring in the real juice, what's going to happen? Pretty pretty soon you're going to get 100% real fruit juice. And guess what? You never have an empty cup. Therefore, and khanda. Bhakti is very natural and you never having a geek Is it mixed? Of course it's mixed. Until the very end, it's going to be mixed. Very nicely explained in the Madhurya Kadampani. And because it's mixed, what we need to be careful to do is not take these things so seriously. You follow? So if I'm imagining Krishna's smile, Krishna's eyebrows, it's not that I stop saying, Oh, oh no. and you get some incredible taste and incredible experience just from having 10% real fruit juice in that cup. My God, the taste is so much better than the 100% chemicals. But don't take it so seriously and think, wow. Now, you crazy. And what happens when you get 50 50? What happens when it's 50% real juice and 50% chemical? Then what stage are you at? Nishta. And then everything becomes very easy. The hard struggle with the termination process is over. It was very nice to explain in my how we start with absolute self consciousness and a trace of Krishna consciousness. And as we increase our Krishna consciousness, our self centered consciousness decreases. And gradually and proportionally, that is our process. Gradually and proportionally, it becomes more and 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 more real. And Lord the explains this. he says, you use the mind as a hook to capture the Lord. We use our, what else do you have? What are you going to do? It's all you got. There's material mind and sense. You don't have anything else. What else are we going to offer to Krishna? I don't have anything nice to offer to Krishna. Well, Oh, I have a nice offering. My sweaty stool, urine, pus, blood-filled body. Well, I have an offering! Here, Krishna, I'm surrendering it to you. It's like, oh. <laughs> you know, but that's all I have. I don't have anything else. So you know, use my mind in Krishna's service. It's just a mind. It's just material. And like Krishna's like, Wow, you're using what you have to try to think of me. And then one day he shows up and says, this is what I'm really like. Whoa. And then Vishen Thakur says, then the devotee, when they actually see the Lord, they say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I was imagining your eyes like lotus petals and your thighs like the trunks of elephants and I was a map. Wow, that is a compared to the thing. But why would Krishna show up? It shows up because you make some effort. So now we're way over time. I'm sure all of you are very hungry. Is that all right? Does that answer your question? So, so important. So important. If anyone ever tells you that you can't think of Krishna until your mind is completely pure, just smile. Okay? The seventh canto says when people say things like that, you just smile and say, yes, yes. <laughs> You know, and if there's someone who will listen to you, then you can just pull out Bhagavad Gita 7.1: Maya shaktam anapartha, manmana Bhagavad madhutam. Krishna says to always think. It's what he says. So. I don't know anything, but it's he says. I'm sure your process is better than mine. So, king.